The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Can you look to your left and the right? Just look at somebody on your left and your right. Is the person's face encouraging? Just check. I'm not saying anything. Just check whether that person's face is encouraging. Some people, their faces are just so not encouraging. Alright? Now, you can imagine. Just watch this. Everybody, just stay there, alright? Be looking up here, alright? But just watch something. <laughs> Who you want to listen to me? I'm sure you wouldn't want to listen to me. So please, can you encourage somebody with your face? Alright? The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Alright, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding as we go on. For, we are praying. It's our school of prayer. We've been praying for some time. And then now we are going to study a bit and continue to pray. Amen? So let's take our declaration, believing that God will give us a word. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I've been filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. He's giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and get into the teaching for today. And then we'll rise again to pray. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Alright. We have been talking about living by the Spirit. And the word life, to live, okay, is not just to be alive, but to thrive. That is to have energy, to have health, to have ability. Okay? That's what it means to live. That is, as opposed to being sick, as opposed to being discouraged, as opposed to being weak, as opposed to being in lack. That's what it means to live. Okay? So, how do we live? It's by the Spirit. How? Answer me. Is it by our own energy? What we need in life as believers is to know how to tap into that Spirit. And that's what... I've been hoping to do by the Spirit of God in this series of prayer teachings we have been on. And I just feel like starting today from the book of Mark, chapter 5, uh, because we re- we've been reading this in my home for some days and it's been quite um, anointing giving. You know, it's been quite anointing. All right? Anytime you read this, you feel, you feel the power in the air. Mark, chapter 5. I'm going to read a long portion, so bear with me. It's the Holy Bible. Like uh, David Pawson would say, he said he used to like, of course in his days, he used to like reading a long portion of the scriptures when he would be starting to teach, according to him, that way he can't mess anything up. So whatever else he says, even though they are no good, the one he said right at the beginning, we balance a hair. So let's do that, alright? So that I won't go and um, I mean, deny you the fullness of the anointing for the day. Alright, verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over again, and the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him fell at his feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, 
And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And in the middle of this, of this large crowd, you see verse 25, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians. And I read that in living, New Living Translation, and something struck me there. I said the doctors were actually the ones punishing her. You know what he said? He said she has suffered a great deal from many doctors. Did you see that? No, read the translation of verse 26. He said she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. I've told you, before you go to hospital, what do you do? Because some doctors will make you suffer a great deal. I'm not saying doctors are bad. They are good people. They save lives. All right? I think most of them are good. And most of the time, they are doing something good. But just pray. Because I was reading this in New Living Translation. Okay, when we are studying the house, we read things like that. He said she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Hi. May you not suffer from many doctors. After today, God will not even allow that. You will have no need. Ah, Why am I preaching to myself? I said after today, it will never happen to you. That you will have no need. So let's continue reading it. Now this woman, in spite of all these sufferings, she had gotten no better. That's what the Bible says. She, She had spent all she had and was not helped at all. But rather had grown worse. Now it says in verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Why did she do this? She thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Somebody said that is faith. Somebody said that is faith. Now I wanted to say something. No, not now. As we are going on, something will come into your mind that you must say. Sometimes, what you will say is, just get me my Bible. If I just read Isaiah chapter 53, I will get well. Sometimes you need to say things like that. I'll be getting my point. Someone will say, let me just get to today's service. At the end of service, I know I will be well. This woman said, if I would just touch his garments, I will get well. That's why she did what she did. So the woman came in. And touched his cloak, verse 27. So now, why did she did it? We have read it out in 28. Now, in verse 29, look at the manifestation. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd. Remember, they were all thronging him. They were all pressing on him. He turned around the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, Ah, you are asking who touched you? <laughs> oh, God, sorry, excuse me. It is not who. It's how many people are immediately surrounding you and pressing in on you. So you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, Who touched me? They were wor- wondering. And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, so he was searching the crowd. One of you touched me, he was telling them. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He was very impressed. So he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace 
and be healed of your affliction. Now, while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, your daughter has died. There's no need anymore to trouble the teacher. But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said, do not be afraid. He said to the man, of course, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion. People were loudly weeping and wailing. He entered in and said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. In verse 40, we read that they began laughing at him. But he did what? He put all of them out, took the child's father and mother and his own companions, those three, and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi. Talitha Kum. Which, being, which translated means, little girl, I said to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. For she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. Apart from those who are outside, I guess. And he said, <laughs> and he said that something should be given to her to eat. My husband were reading it the other day. We had to ask, what is the, Talitha means what? Little girl. Kum means get up. So I said, what is little boy? So I said, it must be Talitu or something like that. My wife went and investigated and said, it is Tali. So I told my boy, Tali. Kum, thank you very much. <laughs> the Lord is good. When I was a young boy in secondary school, one day a friend of mine, we were trying to, you know, you know, you were young boys to play, we were trying to do some magic. So he got to the point, he said, Talita Kumi, Talita Kumi. I thought it was incantation. It was years later, I found out it was, it was quoting from the Bible. The young man was telling me, Talita Kumi, Talita Kumi. The Lord is good. <laughs> now, but we see two stories here to show the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In one, he was not even aware of what was going on. A woman touched him and she was healed after she had suffered for many years in the hands of many doctors, and she had spent everything she had, but every passing year she only got worse. But one day, news came to her. Please, you can read my book, By Faith, Acquire Life, and you also read them, We Walk by Faith, especially We Walk by Faith. I discuss her matter inside there. Please read the book. It is free to download if you are listening to this from any part of the world, okay? Just go to our website, pastor.ng. All right, go to the book section. All the books are there for you to freely download. The only payment we demand is that you share with somebody. Tell somebody I was blessed by this. Here is a copy. Or you, go to the website and download. The the books are not very large in size. All right, just a few megabytes and it's there. So please get a hold of that book titled, We Walk by Faith. I have other books on faith. One day my wife called me a faith preacher. I never thought about that until she said it. I have other books on faith. With like, By Faith, Acquire Life is another one. Great Faith Can Be Yours. These are all books you should read. In that book, um, We Walk By Faith, I discuss the issue of this woman extensively. The Bible says that she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And as a result of the testimony she heard concerning Jesus, I personally am convinced she had been baptized by John. I have my reasons. I will not go into that now. 
the woman, I believe, was baptized by John, that gave her the spirit of faith. So that when she heard about Jesus, it provoked faith in her. So that she said, and you need to say something along the line in your life. Once in a while, you will utter things like, give me my Bible. Let me, listen, let me read one chapter. I will be well. Let me take a leave. Let me take three days off to go and meditate and pray. At the end, I will be well. The Holy Spirit will you know, stimulate something in you. And you will utter such statements. And at the end, just like this woman, when you will have carried out that which you said in your heart ahead of time, you will discover that you are healed of all your afflictions. All right. So, the second story we see, Jesus knew what was going on here. He told the man, don't be afraid. Don't continue in fear. But just believe. And he got there and he separated himself from the atmosphere of unbelief. You will notice I didn't take everybody with him. There was a large crowd. He quickly separated himself, took a few people, and went. When he got there, he put the large crowd out. It is not everything you discuss with everybody. I hope you're getting my point. Some people like pity parties. Pity parties wear down your faith. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, people call quelles. Sorry, how are you? What are you doing? All those quelles and sorries, a lot of them are wearing your faith down. Don't discuss your matter with those who don't know how to pray. I just don't know whether you have anything to tell me. You, can you advise me? Advise me on what? You'll be asking for advice from everybody on the street. At the end of the day, what they are telling you is that ah, this is serious. So, which doctor have you seen? They are giving you address of doctors that are far and near. So you can suffer many things. Jesus reduced the unbelief around. One man that blessed me tremendously, you hear me mention his name again and again, is Kennedy Hagen, he was a prophet. So from his prophetic experiences, he gave teachings to us. And the Lord told him clearly why he did it. And I've learned it even from learning you know, faith over time. Faith can, you know, can be drained from you by the atmosphere you, you know, surround yourself with. You need to have an atmosphere of faith around you. Your best friends cannot be unbelievers. They can't even be Christians that are not serious with the word of God. Did you hear what I said? See, it's not, you know what I found out? In fact, I'm going to say it along the line. I hope I don't forget. Or let me start saying it now. I discovered, you know, I've said it here many times anyway. Faith is not about, you know, close my eyes. I, I, I believe, I believe this thing is coming. It's not like that. Though. It's something that oozes into you. If it's there, it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. I hope you getting my point. What you need to do is ensure it is there. What you need to do is ensure it's not leaking. What you need to do is make sure you're in an atmosphere where it's always coming in. Whether you are aware consciously that your faith is big or not, it's not the issue. If the faith is always flowing into you, the time of need, it will work. No matter how much you grit your teeth, I'm going to believe. If it's not there, it's not there. I hope you're getting my point. If it's not there, it is not there. So bear it in mind. You need to create an atmosphere around you where faith. You know, some people, you know, they just, you know, let me tell you, discipleship has a cost. What did I say? I didn't hear you well. And that cost is not just money. It can be money, but that's not the most important cost. It's things like associations. The place where you gather. Where you spend most of your time. I, you see, when you give your life to Christ, you know what, you, what it means? Your life changes. It changes. You may have been popular amongst your friends before. The day you give your life to Christ, if you are still popular there, you are not properly born again. You should go back for reborning. You should. Because you are not serious. 
If you were serious, what used to interest you before will change, you know? That will discontinue. Another set of things will start interesting you. And you will not be as popular as you used to be because of that. Purely because of that. They will not find you as interesting as you used to be. Faith oozes into you by just where you hang out. Who do you gist with? Who do you go and sit down together and maybe watch a, a television program with? If they are not people of faith, they are, look, they are sucking you dry bit by bit. Little by little. You have to ensure that your iron is sharpening another iron and your iron is being sharpened by another iron. Just with people who are serious with God. I hope you are getting my point. When, when you tell them a matter, first thing you are thinking about is from, I mean, you do something that uh, maybe you experience something that's negative. They are really checking. Is God correcting him? Is God teaching him? Doesn't need to stand by faith? And they give, is that giving you the word? They are the ones that are pushing faith into you bit by bit, bit by bit, pushing it little by little, little by little. Jesus, when he was going to pray for that, for, the, for that girl, now, some people have thought that, of course, I thought like that and until I was trained. I just assumed that, oh, look, once Jesus wants to do it, he can do it. If he, can, if he didn't do it, he didn't want to do it. I hope you know it's not true. If those people did not leave that house, that girl would not have been raised from the dead. Doesn't do things just for the show of it. If everybody just gathered there, and they were like, let me see, let me see, oh, let me see, let me see. You know the way we would do? They are climbing over each other's shoulder to see what he would do when he's raising the dead. If you read the story of Catherine Kuman, Catherine Kuman used to handpick those who sat in front when she would be ministering. It's not everybody that could play music for Catherine Kuman. She had a heavy healing anointing. It's not everybody that would come there, you can sit on the keyboard and be doing. No. She would use one eye to look at you. Hey, you, leave that place. But she knows those who are draining her anointing and those who are amplifying it. But he would tell the story. First time she ran for, it was a young man ready to go for. As soon as he opened the door, she, he entered the hall, raced mistakenly to the front. That's how he lost his seat. When the ushers came in, they bounced him from those seats. Hey, those seats are reserved by, to, for who? Don't worry about it. It wasn't about importance. It's that, look, Catherine Kuman needs to know that those in front are people of faith. She needed to know. Okay, then again, I, tell, okay, I was going to tell you something, but he said the Lord told him why he, 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 you know, a man came to him once. I want to see. Jesus said, okay, follow me. Took him out of the town. And then laid hands on him. I was asking him questions, interviewing him. What do you see? He said, I see men as trees. He laid hands on him again. When the man began to see, he told him, don't go back into that village. Don't go back into that town. Why? Because if you go back inside there, you will lose your healing. Why? The environmental unbelief was too strong. You have to create a good ambience around you, ambience of faith. Listen, that you took time out this afternoon after working the whole day to come and sit down here is important. Whether you feel it or not, it's entering. I hope you're getting my point. I know what I'm telling you. Whether you are feeling like it or not, it is entering. So I'm just using it to describe the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that power is available for us till today. Somebody say amen to that. Every issue of blood... The power to heal it is still available. Every dead little girl, that Talitha, you are going to come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, you will, you will, you will. That's what we are doing. You know what I want to do today? I want to, anybody listening to this, by the Spirit of God, I want to talk you into full health. Amen. I hope you get my point. 
Yes. Words convey spirits. Jesus said the words that I speak, they carry a spiritual substance that impart life wherever they go to. That is one thing God had to help me with in recent times. I think I was beginning to forget. Even though I preached it, I was beginning to forget. Why? Because sometimes I pick a book. A man like John G. Lake, who I love so much, I have the complete collection of his sermons. I have another. I used to have another one that was not as complete as when I got the complete one. Now everything is digital now. I have different books. One book containing like 20, another book containing like 10. I have, you know, all over. I think I've read almost all of them. Over the years, not in the last one year. I've been reading these John G. Lake materials for over 25 years. So it's not today. There was a time it was the only thing I read. Woke up in the morning reading John G. Lake. I still remember that one. Blue, yellow, you know, colors of the fine picture of him drawing, actually, by um, uh, Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I carried that book everywhere I went. I've read that book so many times. Most of his sermons I've read again and again and again. I've read Adventures in God. So, for certain reasons, I need to read the book again. And the first thing that came to my mind is, ah, I've read this thing before. But this priest said, what are you saying? I said, I'm sorry. I realized that we're not, I'm not going to get information. If it's information, I have it. The, the letters. You know what happened with the letters? They do what? They profit what? Yeah, the flesh. That's what Jesus called letters. That's what Jesus was referring to. The letters, what do they do? The prophet what? Nothing. This is flesh. They don't profit anything. It's the spirit behind them that does what? That gives life. So you can't say I have drunk this spirit before. I don't know whether you get my point. Every time you pick it and you start reading, so I started telling myself. So when I pick the book to read, I say, I didn't come here for information. No. I didn't come here for letter. I came to do what? To drink. There's one song that this man sings. I don't know who sang it originally, but it was from his mouth I heard it. Um, I've come to draw, 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 draw from you again. You know this song? Eh? Victoria. Victoria. Okay, that's when I sang it. So you know this song, right? It's a good song. Then you pick your Bible, just say, I've come to drink. Drink, drink, drink from you again. I've come to drink. I hope you're getting my point. I know some of you have seen my face hundreds of times. Next time you come, you look and say, I've come to drink, drink. <laughs> look, there are restaurants you have been to so many times. Are you tired of going there? You enter the place and say, this girl has served me before. Do you have another person to serve? Is the food still coming? That's the most important thing. I hope you're getting my point. You go to the bank and say that, I've seen this bank teller many times, I don't need money. Eh? Say, madam, how now? 100,000. If you bring it, you will collect. I've come to do what? Withdraw. Withdraw. <laughs> I've come to withdraw. That's what we are talking about. Anytime you come to the word of God, you've come to what? Draw. You've come to drink. So the only way me understand that in recent times, I say, Banky, don't say you have read this again before. So now if I read, if I open my Bible now to John chapter 1 verse 1, I've come to do what? To drink, to draw, to tap. Even though I could recite it, I hope you're getting my point. I will recite it to myself, but this time around with a drinking attitude. Because what we are actually doing is tapping into the spirit. I hope you're getting my point. So what am I doing today? 
I'm talking to anybody listening to this, whichever avenue, you are being talked into perfect health. I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm trying to infuse you. There's a word of difference. There's an infusion of the spirit that is coming forth. Yes, there is an infusion of the spirit that is coming forth. There is an infusion of the spirit that is coming forth. Let me start by explaining something. That material things respond to the life in the word. Responds to spiritual forces. Jesus looked at a tree. You don't get it. Everything has ears. I hope you know your ear has ears. So I just start with my ear. I just feel like twisting it a bit. Your head has ears. And I don't mean this one. Your feet have ears. Your heart inside your chest, the one that beats. I don't mean the heart that you used to think. I mean the one that beats. He has ears. Okay, I know I've confused you a bit. Let's go to other things. Your car has ears. Okay, let's leave that one. You will not disagree with this. Trees have ears. Do you know Jesus used to talk to everything? You say, you know what he did to the wind? The storm, he rebuked. Now, there's a way in which you go and pray. Father, have mercy in the name of Jesus. Let this storm cease. Let this boat not capsize. Let my disciples not die. Me, I knew I was not going to die, but you know, let the disciples... There's a way you can pray like that. But he didn't do that. He got up. They said, don't you care that we perish? He said, where is he? That's the wind. The storm. He said to it literally, shut up. Literally, he says, be muzzled. Stop that nonsense. He spoke as if the thing had ears. And you know what happened? He heard and he stopped. He saw a tree and said, no one will eat from you again. After now. And the tree packed up shop. No, died from inside. The Bible says from the root. Nobody cut it down. It just shriveled from the roots because it heard. I hope you're getting my point. Okay. What am I going to say? I hope you know your body has ears. I don't mean this one. No. Do you get my point? Your health has ears. Everything in you has ears. They hear. It's a spiritual thing. They hear. Your work has ears. I hope you're following what I'm going to explain here. So that is why when I tell you I'm talking, I'm not going to persuade you. I'm infusing you. There's a word of difference. It's not just about persuading you, but what? Infusion. Infusion. I'm infusing by speaking. I'm infusing anyone listening to this with the spirit of life. It's called the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It gives life to our mortal bodies. There's something I say a lot of times. I say old age is not a disease. I hope you know, I'm not talking common sense. Do you get my point? It's not common sense. Recently I realized something. That bank, if you say old age is not the disease, whoever will believe that has to drink the spirit of life in old age. Because the natural life wears down. The natural life wears down. It does. It does. The only way old age will not be a disease for you is simply because you have been infused and you are being constantly infused with life. There's one man we talk about a lot in the Bible. His name is Moses. Moses was 120 years old. Now, you know he used to climb mountains. You don't need to climb mountains. He used to climb mountains. He wants to go and talk to God. He has to climb. And 
the climbing started after the age of 80. Don't think people at that time, they were all um, strong. No. Everybody else around him was dying in their 70s, 60s, 70s. All right? A few made it to 80. That's why he lamented about it. Most of them died at the age of 70. Yet Moses, at the age of 100, he needs to talk to God. He climbs a mountain. He will walk around. And the Bible made it clear that he used to see clearly. He said his strength did not abate. His eyes did not grow dim. Now, this is where I'm going. Have you ever asked yourself why? I'll give you the answer. Now, this is a man who he ate sometimes, other times he did not eat. But go and think about it. Do you know what happened to him like that? It is simple. Go and check who he talked to the most. He will disappear for 40 days. You can't come from the presence of the Lord after 40 days. And arthritis will follow you back. Arthritis is not a fear. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Whatever food he was eating that made him not need carbohydrate, fat, and oil for 40 days, that thing must contain medicine too. Do you get my point? See, he ate so much of divine presence that, you no, know, we know about 40 days. Granted it well. The food lasted him for 80 days. Okay, it lasted 40. What I mean is that he was in the presence of God for 40 days. Then he left. Then whatever he came down with lasted another 40 days. The, long, the person that fasted, naturally speaking, for the longest period in the Bible is Moses. Not Jesus Christ. It's Moses. He was in the presence of God. Of course, that actually is not fasting. I mean, sorry, it's fasting, okay? In fact, that's real fasting. But what I mean, it's not your type of fasting. It's not your church type of fasting. We are declaring a 10-day fast. Nobody declared fast for Moses. You know what happened? He went somewhere. And he ate what they were eating there. Do you get my point? He's, look, you are in the presence of God. You know, it's like now, there's what we call in medicine, they call parenteral nutrition. Sometimes you have total, there's one they call hyper, let me give you a big, big name, hyper alimentation. They give you normal infusion, you know, is water with glucose and small salt. But there are some people that for certain reasons they can't get food any other way. Intestine is very bad or something. So they give amino acids. What you normally eat in meat? The arm goes down their vein. Fat. Fatty acids goes down their vein. Vitamins goes down their vein. Everything they need regularly goes there. And they have to infuse the person regularly. Of course, we know about water, everything. It's not a good condition. Don't, don't envy them. I mean, like, <laughs> the best way to get your food is through your mouth and your intestine, okay? <laughs> but where I'm going is this. Down the vein, they get everything. Now, when you get into the presence of God, you get everything through all your pores. I don't know whether you caught that. So Moses got there. He was getting everything through all his pores. If he opens his eyes, life enters from it. His back, life was entering from there. That was why he did not eat. Some of you say, I want to hear from God. Hunger will just kill you. Because I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat. Nothing is... <laughs> Do you get my point? Moses was not struggling. Moses was not there being disciplined that, no, this hunger, you won't arise here. There was no hunger. The glory of God filled him. I hope you get my point. People want to, in the flesh, do what Moses did literally in the spirit. Not even by the spirit now. But he was in the presence of the spirit. 
He was so filled. By the time he came down and found these guys had been misbehaving, he laid down for another 40 days. They didn't feed him. When Elijah was going to Horeb, two shots, that's what they gave him. And he went in the strength of that food for 40 days. Now, you know, to Mount Horeb. I'm going somewhere here. Why do you think Moses was perpetually healthy? It was what he was eating. Sometimes I see people do things, eh? Please, let me say this. There's something about Sakura said once, which I, I mean, I, I never forgot. Some people, they are sick. They say they are believing God. So they will not take medicine. There's nothing wrong with that on the surface. But let me explain what I'm saying. Many people, they are not believing God. They are afraid of medicine. I don't know whether you get my point. If doctors want to treat you and the, serious, the, the sickness is serious, <laughs> you say you will run. Now, that's a painful part for me. Many people who run, it's painful because they are not running because they have faith. They are running because they are afraid. There's a world of difference. It's not because they had faith. If the treatment was simple, they would have taken. Or sometimes the treatment is quite expensive. And one major reason patients run away from hospitals in Nigeria is cost. You know, if all you have ever had is malaria and boil, you don't know that treatment is costly. They still sell decent anti-malarias till today, equivalent of one to two dollars, one thousand naira, two thousand, and those are very powerful ones. I hope you're getting my point. So most of us don't realize that treatment generally is not that easy. They tell you somebody should go and take a course of radiation. You go to the military to bring seven hundred thousand naira. That's typically what they ask for. There are treatments they give. They say, ah, this one is good, very, very good. It's effective. It doesn't kill, but just effective. It doesn't kill. I said the, the cost of it over six months is two point five million. There's one hospital in town here, good hospital, very nice place. But when you enter the place, admission deposit is two million naira. I hope you're getting my point. That is why many people don't realize that they, they believe God. They don't believe God. They are afraid of cost. So they, no, you know, when, when I was more younger, I used to wonder why would people break bone and go to traditional bone setters? We try to educate people when we we're young people. I realized later on it's not the issue. They too, they know. They know the orthopedic hospital is better than traditional bone setter. Is a well orthopedic hospital where they will spend 10,000 naira with a traditional guy. They will have blown like half a million in orthopedic. That's why they don't go. Don't think that they don't have sense. They have. What they don't have is money. And please, for your information, what those guys are charging, they are not overcharging. Things are just that costly. I talked to the MD of the, yes, this orthopedic hospital then. This was about 10 years ago. When he told me what he was doing to keep, now, as of 10 years ago, he was, he, we met somewhere. He was explaining to me the effort he was going through to keep the cost of hip replacement down at under a million naira. Ten years ago, the hospital wasn't making money. Federal government was paying all the doctors free of charge. That is like, they pay the doctors and nurses. They treat you without really charging you. You don't know. But yet, the cost, then he was trying his best to make sure he didn't cross 800,000. He said because they were now doing it regularly, they didn't want it to stop. Now, why am I saying all of these things? So, that's the reason why many people claim they are believing God, though. And it's been sad for me to observe many times they are not. Because what they do is go and lie down and hope something will happen. So, Pastor he said, somebody told him, I'm believing God. He said, I forgot to ask her, how? So, now when I pray with people who have you know, serious ailments, difficult to treat for doctors, we pray, and they will now be believing God together. How do we believe God together? We exchange scriptures. How do we believe God together? We keep on quoting the word of God. 
Because you can't say now, that's what I'm talking about Moses. For Moses to remain healthy, it was what he was eating. If you want God to heal you and keep you healthy, you have to eat. What did I say? You have to eat. It's what you are eating. You have to take your medicine. Last night, I was in a humorous mood. Those who follow me on WhatsApp channel. I said, everybody, yeah, take your, it's night. Take your night medicine. I said, here it is. Take your night medicine. I want everybody following me on WhatsApp. Take your night medicine. And two things. Number one, I said, give God thanks for the day. I got the revelation a few days ago that one major problem with people, eh, especially in this our part of the country, is ingratitude to God. I don't want to talk about that now. God has been so good to many people. They only emphasize on what he has not done. So I say, hey, number one, give God thanks for today. Then number two, prophesy upon your household. In peace, we will lie down and sleep. For you, Lord, alone, make us dwell in safety. Invoke the name of God over your home. Invoke his name. You don't just say, nothing will happen. Hey, something will happen. You have to drink. I hope you're getting my point. If you live in a dangerous area, then you say, no, mount God around your house. What is the God? The glory of God. Speak words. Infuse the atmosphere with the word of God. Do you know even arm robbers, they have ears. I'm not talking about normal ears. When they say, stop, don't come here. Something will freeze them. They won't come near there. What am I trying to emphasize? I'm emphasizing towards that. When you say you are believing God, it means you have decided to be eating the food of God. I hope you're getting my point. It means you have decided to take God's medicine. It's not just that I don't want the other medicine. The fact that you are not drinking human medicine is not proof that you are believing God. There are those who are taking human medicine and they are still believing God. There are those who are not taking human medicine and they are not believing God at all. Satan just takes advantage of their stubbornness. Meanwhile, the real thing is that they don't have money. The real thing is that they are afraid. Some of these drugs have dangerous side effects. So anybody who's, who says he or she is believing God must show to himself and you, if you are that interested in the person, how? You can't wake up in the morning and not take your medicine. Okay, okay, if I tell that, okay. Assume it now. I'm not feeling well. And I'll tell you that this is my doctor. One of the things you ask, okay, so what's the next question? There's a common question we ask. Assuming you are medically enlightened. I said, this is my doctor. What question do you ask? Eh? What? No, no. What is wrong with me? I'm telling you, this is my doctor. I'm waiting. Thank you very much. What, are you, what did they give you? It's a very common... Okay, maybe because I'm thinking from a doctor's perspective. If you tell me that this is what we're taking care of, yeah, I want to know what... So, what? What is he doing? What drug is he giving? How many times are you seeing him? What procedure is he planning? I can't tell you this is my doctor. And I wave and say, oh, my doctor, how are you? We have not seen in six months. There's nothing he said that I'm doing right now. By the time you put mine inside, in front of a title, there must be something that is directing your life that the person is communicating. I made a joke the other day. One man called me my pastor. I said, in my mind, if I catch you. Because we knew the Orokuruku here of his hand. You know what they call Orokuruku? The shady movement and the wyoric behavior. And he saw me, ah, my pastor. I said, in my mind, I'm not your pastor. Just say, pastor, hey, let's leave it like that. Don't personalize this thing. So when I say my doctor, that is, there is something he's saying to me that I'm obeying. So when God says, I'm the Lord, your healer. There must be a communication. 
There must be a constant discussion. There must be a constant infusion. If I tell you I'm going to see my doctor, you know he wants to do something. There's a procedure he wants to carry out. There's a drug he wants to write. And if he writes the prescription, I take it to the pharmacy or I get the prescription and then I start taking it as he prescribed. That is when I'm believing God. Believing God and wishing for the best are not, two, are not the same things. They're not the same thing. I'm believing God. It's different from I'm wishing for the best. I'm believing God. You know what it means to me, I'm believing God? He's speaking. Or he has spoken. And based on what he's saying or has said, I'm aligning my life in a particular way and having certain expectations. That's the meaning of I'm believing God. I'm believing God doesn't mean that I'm just sitting there wishing for the best to happen. I'm believing God means every time I go to see him, I, hear, I, I pay attention for what he's saying. I'm careful not to disobey his instructions. I was in somewhere the other day. A woman is very, very sick, seriously sick. So we're having a discussion, different specialties. We were discussing how they, they handle the case. They said they've offered her this treatment. She refused. So one doctor now said, amongst people discussing, they said, okay, I think we should have another discussion with her. And if she does not listen, we discharge her from the clinic. Did you hear that? That we have spoken enough. Let's have one more discussion. After that, discharge her from the clinic. I first said that when I, was, when I was in school. One of our big profs then was teaching us about a particular lung disease. He said, anybody who's, who has it must stop smoking. He said, if they don't stop, you discharge them from your clinic. Don't see them again. He said, because you'll be fighting, you know, like you're just walking at cross purposes. So he says, and I, rem- I still remember the day he said it. That was my first experience. So you can tell the patient, don't come here again. Yes, he said, you have to. This is a problem you have. This is the cause of it. You still continue it and you want to be treating you. So once you, dis- no matter the excuse he gives, once he's not following the prescription, tell him, stop coming here. I hope you're getting my point. The Lord is not your healer, except you are listening to him. That's what I'm saying. Many people have been discharged from his clinic. Say, Lord, this person is believing in you. Because when when last did he come to clinic? Ask him. When last did I give him any prescription? When last did I tell her anything that she's obeying? Please, many people have been discharged from God's clinic. They don't know. Some go to the clinic, God doesn't come. Yeah, he doesn't come. Why? Because God said, the last thing I told you to do, have you done it? There are people listening to me. All their problem is unforgiveness. See, let me tell you something here. Spiritual things affect the body. So, anybody are also is caused by jealousy. Yeah. And they don't know. They are jealous of their neighbor. So, they have also. They have taken antacid. It, does, it didn't work. They've taken antibiotics. It did not work. They've taken, um, okay, some other drugs. Let me not mention, mention names. Not, they've gone to the fourth level of drugs. It's not working. Now, the ulcer is about to kill them. God said, if only you will have hacked onto me. Your well-being will have been like the waves of the sea. That is, this is your neighbor. Go and meet him. If you have the boldness. I used to be jealous of you, but I'm not jealous again. If you don't have, no problem. Just tell God. Then whatever it is that the person is doing, be contributing to it so that his life will be better than yours. You see what I said? 
He's building a house. You are even owing rent. Yet you go and give him a ton of cement. 50 bags. And so 20 bags. How much is a bag now? And, and 5K. So one ton is about 100K, right? Aha, uh-huh, around well, well. 100, 100 naira per kg. Yeah, own your landlord, though. You go and meet landlord and say, good morning, sir, please. This is half of my rent. The other half, please give me another six weeks. You have some, but you go and give that man. Say, I hear you are building a house, so the Lord bless you. Here is a ton of cement. It is also you are curing. I'm telling you, it's also. Some people are still angry with people that offended them 15 years ago. And now to even make it worse, some of those people that offended you are, are dead now. You can't even find them to forgive. You're in trouble. <laughs> Don't worry, forgive their children. <laughs> the Lord is good. Listen, look. Elko said some. To, to, I mean, one of his books I read. He said he was counseling one woman one time. The woman had a very troublesome marriage, you know. So she was divorced and stuff and that, all of that. So he realized that that's what her problem was. So now counsel the woman that you have to forgive your former husband. He said, no, 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 that I, okay, I heard him preach that um, hey, he took 15 years of my life. The man says, he's about to take the rest. <laughs> she says, 15 years he took. The rest is going. Look at you. The rest is going. So better forgive him and claim the rest back. Know the 15 years is gone. And if you know God very well, God will add that 15 years, multiply it by 230, add it to the one in front. The latter days, no, one thing I found out about, look, God is very good with wiping out memory. God can wipe out memory. You will remember bad now, you'll be laughing. God will bless you so much. The days of badness will be like a distant memory. That's what, that's what he does. God will bless you so much. Look at the 15 years. Are you like, eh? 15 years? Are you serious? Was that not three months? Since 15 years old, I was married to that guy for 15 years. I don't believe it. And you're finding everything funny. It's God. There is nothing you can't turn around. There is nothing. There is nothing. What am I saying? Many people are sick because there's a spiritual thing inside them they've not let go. Pride makes people sick. A lot of heart disease is pride. You know, let me tell you something about the world. I'm, I'm going to do some studies again. And start, and maybe I'll preach about this maybe sometime next year, if God allows, about this health matter. Because this world is very confusing. They don't tell the truth. And by nature, like I told you, doctors are good people. All right? Medical, they, they try. But the truth is that there's a lot of, now when I say lie, not deception, but ignorance. Or refusal to acknowledge the truth. They normally don't preach the whole truth. Let me give you an example. Now. And this is very important, what I want to say. Many times doctors push, or let me not say doctors, medical science, let me put it like that, so there's not somebody I'm talking about. The whole society of science, they push origin of diseases, prevention and cure of diseases that are actually not true. They've left some critical things behind. So both what they tell you is the cause and the cure, they are not rooted in the depth of truth. So we keep on struggling Against something we don't really, we, have, we are not handling the real cause. Let me, exp- you'll see what I'm saying in a moment. I want to give a small illustration, very simple illustration. 
This is a simple illustration, okay? There's a new vaccine that's out now that they are pushing everywhere. What's that one? Exactly, HPV. HPV vaccine, cervical cancer, cancer of the um, women's cervix, uterine cervix. Well, theoretically, the vaccine will work. I believe it will. Because it's been found out after many years of studies that that is one cancer that you can pinpoint in 90% of cases what causes it is an infection. So what you do is prevent the infection. That way you do what? You prevent the cancer. I've heard it taught up and down. I've heard it advocated. They're explaining the videos are out pushing. I mean, my wife got videos the other day. I'm sorry, requests the other day you know, from the ministry to come and vaccinate the children in school. So the parents are supposed to just um, accept, accept and all of that. Right now they are doing girls abroad. They started doing girls and boys and everything. But there's something they never say. It's a disease of sexual promiscuity. Period. It's a disease of sexual promiscuity. That's all. Both in men and women. A promiscuous man can give to his righteous wife. Now, they don't say it. That's what pains me. It's no, no. The virus is sexually transmitted. And it dies out entirely in the society if you can maintain monogamy throughout. But you know what? Nobody preaches it. Now, I'm not saying don't preach vaccines, but say the whole thing now. Say the whole thing. Just say the whole thing. That's what we are saying now. But you will spend, one day I heard this man, what's his name? Funny guy, um, Elton John. He was criticizing George Bush's policy on teaching abstinence to young people because he said it doesn't work. I said, how will you know? You don't believe in sexual, no. Integrity, the type we preach, you don't. How can you tell me it doesn't work? But studies show that if you tell young people don't do it, they don't. All you need to do is just tell them. Tell them early enough and repeat it often enough. Then you have a society where they say, hey, 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 sleep with anything you like. Then they spend billions trying to hand you vaccines. That's why I preach the way I preach. A lot of deception. But of course, abstinence doesn't really make money, so. Those vaccines are not free. They may be giving it free. All right? That's what I'm paying. Why am I saying all of these things? That's how the whole of life is. I've just given one example. What causes high blood pressure as an example? There are many things. But the same people write books on how you need to succeed, plan for your future and everything. The very reason why you have high blood pressure. Then the guy's brother will be marketing to you how to jog to bring down your blood pressure. Then his sister is marketing to you how to take medicine to bring down your blood pressure. And the whole family has different things on your blood pressure that they started by telling you, why should you sleep? Your competitors are not sleeping. So they first rile you up, rile you up, wind you, wind you until you are not at rest. Then your blood pressure goes up. They not tell you that if you have high blood pressure, you need to jog around. They will be running around like Satan, to and fro, to and fro. God said, listen, this BP I can cure it. I'm your, you know, I'm the Lord, what? Your doctor. Remember, if you say I'm your doctor, you are listening to me. And I say, don't worry about tomorrow. Cast all your burdens upon me. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to the length of his life? And I keep on emphasizing, it is vain to rise up early and go to bed late. 
Because if you just do this one I have said, do you know the truth? Half of your cancers will disappear. Medically proven fact. <laughs> Did I, <laughs> fact. Just by sleeping well, you reduce your, chan- you reduce your chances of getting many diseases. Just by sleeping. Just by sleeping. You have not done anything, no. You just sleep. That's why I tell people that, listen, instead of using your money to buy an expensive phone, I'm not saying expensive phone is bad. I actually have an expensive phone right now. Okay? Instead of trying to be use your money to buy an expensive car, I'm not saying expensive car is bad, though. You know what? Buy an expensive room. An expensive bed. Before you buy an expensive phone, please buy an expensive bed. Now, when I say expensive, I'm not saying go and just throw money away. Make sure that bed is comfortable. You are married. I don't care how much you love your wife. You should not, st- you should not be sleeping on a three-inch bed. A three-feet bed. It's not good. It's not the will of God. You say, we are in love. Forget that. My wife said, what do you mean? It's good. It's not good. It was good that time, but now it's not good. I, 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 your bed has... No, I have a... You know what they call a king-size bed? It's the will of God. King-size, you know. And if they had the grand king-size, you know, then go, go in my bedroom can take it. You just put those... Football. I have a place where if you put one leg here, to take a long time to reach where the second leg is. Relax. You see people with expensive cars, they don't have expensive bed. I hope you're getting what I'm saying, trying to say. But please, don't just take it literally. Understand what I'm trying to explain. Since I got married, see, immediately after we married, because we got quite a number of presents and bought some things, I always had three televisions in my house. I never put one in my bedroom. It was deliberate. I've never had TV in my bedroom. Never. I married almost 24 years ago. My wife and I moved to Inugu a year after. We've never had TV in our bedroom. It's a law. I told her, hey, hey, hey. Bedroom is to sleep. If I want to watch television, I go outside. I put TV in my, bed, my guest room that time. I put in the... In fact, my brother was staying with He put one television in his room. I said, that's you now. <laughs> You're a young boy. You don't have to sleep. You can be watching TV. But my room, I refuse to put one. Many of the sickness people have, eh? God says, stop worrying, stop being angry, forgive people, and sleep. It is vain to rise up early. Some of you are in a city where you can't sleep. God says, relocate. <laughs> Telling you. I look at life sometimes. Just, people are just operating under a curse. Look, pray yourself out of being in traffic for five hours a day. You have to pray yourself out of it. It's, it's, it's your health that's been damaged. Lagos was rated, is it the fourth or the second worst city to live in in the world? Is it, is it fourth or second? Was second. It wasn't because of any other thing apart from traffic. Of all this, and I couldn't understand. If they say Lagos is worse than Aleppo, Syria, worse than Baghdad. Ah, don't forget they are fighting in, um, what's the name of that place in Yemen? Now, what they just said, and the reason why they rated it is just one reason. It's not, it, it's not the most populous city in the world. It's not the most overcrowded. You go to India, there are cities that are more crowded, I mean, more populous and all of that. They said nowhere else in the world do people spend that amount of time in traffic. So when they calculated those who are fighting and balance with traffic, they rated it worse. Please, I need you to pray that God will deliver you from traffic. You will get a house near where you walk. Or get a walk where you don't have to be in the traffic at bad hours. Uh-uh. Wait a Even those who killed the Lord, they've been forgiven. 
I'm not angry with you. I'm just telling you, you need to pray. Now let me prophesy for you. God will prosper you. Amen. The Lord will prosper you. Amen. One of my friends was working in one big company. They were in Ikeja. Then they relocated their headquarters to uh, Victoria Island. He resigned. He said, I'm not going. He said, Banky, I cannot join this, them in this thing they are doing. <laughs> he refused. What am I going to say? See, spiritual things, the state of your heart is affecting your flesh. Your skin will be radiant if there's no worry in your soul. The Bible says they looked to him and they were lightened or radiant and their faces were no longer ashamed. Listen, one of the reasons why we read some of the stories of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would have read more about the person who was born blind. They put, they came to him, have mercy on me. Jesus made clay with spit, put in his eyes. He said, go to the pool of Siloam and go and wash. And the person went there, washed, and came back seen. The man that was at the gate beautiful was born crippled. He had never walked in his life. I hope you're getting my point. He had never walked in his life. Yet that fellow, Peter and John, spoke to him. They took him by the hands and he began to walk. I'm not going to establish the fact that there is nothing that God cannot do. There is no sickness he cannot heal. Let me explain something here. Now I'm going to talk you into health. Remember that? Sickness is a result of iniquity. It doesn't have to be in the individual suffering it. They came and said, what did this one do that was, how? How was he born blind? And so how was he blind? How was he blind? Born. Born blind. So did he sin? Is he a Buddhist? How could he have sinned? Could his parents have sinned? It makes sense. But him, he's not likely. Because he's given unto a man. Wants to die. After that is what? Judgment. So he's not, we don't believe in reincarnation. He didn't sin in his previous life. So sometimes there's sin causing problems in other people because we have responsibilities over our descendants. One of the reasons why you walk in righteousness is so that your descendants will be blessed. There are people who are going to fight in this life and the major fight is for their descendants. Can I just digress for a moment? Don't lose the battle for your descendants, please. Make sure that your whole life you are packing blessings. You know, there are times that people in Israel will sin. The descendants of David. God will say, it's just because of your father. There's because of your father in this life. Oh. I hope you're getting my point. In the same manner, people put curses upon their descendants. But what I'm going to emphasize is the fact that, listen, every sickness, every trouble is a result of sin. It is. But again, that's not my emphasis. What's my emphasis? Every healing, every deliverance is a result of righteousness. And you have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's what I want to emphasize. See, if you go and read Isaiah chapter 53, the emphasis was there for us. That himself, alright, what happened? He took our infirmities and our diseases. How did he do it? It is simple. The right they have to be in anybody's life on this earth at all is tied to what? Sin. So once that sacrificial lamb was offered on that cross and sin was forgiven, every affliction in the believer is called an oppression. What did I say? Every affliction in the believer is called what? 
and oppression. What is oppression? It's not supposed to be there. Remember we said something the other time, that you have to separate light from darkness. In fact, what Jesus came to do in the life of the people, Jesus came for a number of assignments. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. But for those who were dead then, what, what he came to do was to separate their light from their darkness. What do I mean? When John the Baptist came, he came with the baptism, preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Everybody that came for baptism was forgiven. They carried the sin and applied to Jesus Christ after that. But then nobody was healed. He said John the Baptist did no mighty work. So why did Jesus come? It's simple. Everybody who had been forgiven, he came to separate what? Their light from their darkness. Now what am I trying to emphasize? If you're a child of God, sickness, afflictions have no the legal right in your life. No, it doesn't have any legal right in your life. It needs, you see, but I'm feeling it. That's what we are doing. We are going to separate the light from the darkness. We're going to kick darkness out of the place. And let me tell you something about darkness. Once you face it, it runs away. I hope you're getting my point. The light shines how? The light shines, okay, let's see. The light shines where? And what can darkness do to it? Nothing. Nothing. It doesn't even understand it. It can't overcome it. What we need to do, that's what the Bible says, arise, do what? Shine. Why? Now, did you notice that? It's possible not to shine even though you have light. No, no, think about it now. If I say arise, shine, your light has, has what? Come. It means that some people have light, they are not what? Shining. <laughs> I have this little device, my phone. The case, it's a very funny case, they cover the camera. You know these days, what's your touch light? Is not your phone, is not phone camera, the, the flash. So the other day I put on my touch light and I couldn't see it. Why? Well, I forgot to open the cover of the camera. So I said to my, my phone, arise, shine, I have put on your light. So I quickly went to the back and then took off the cover of the camera. Many Christians, their light is covered. They have it but it's not shining. That was why he had to say, arise. Do what? Shine. Why? Your forgiveness has been issued. Your sins have been paid for. Your deliverance has been paid for. It is now yours. The fact that you are not experiencing doesn't mean it's not there. What it simply means now is that you need to get up and enforce it. That's why he said what? Arise, shine. Can you shine without light? No, no. There's no catch to it. If you tell somebody, arise, shine. What is the reason why? Because your light has come. But that tells us something. It is possible to have that light and not shine it. It's possible to have healing and not experience it. It's possible to have you know, the right to be totally free and not be free. I hope you're getting my point. Which was what happened in Israel. And God gave us that thing as a lesson. Once they went for baptism, they were free, but they did not experience it. Jesus had to come to separate their life from their darkness. So they, they will come, have mercy on me. What do you want me to do that I may receive my sight? You touch them, they start seeing. See, you must understand, if they were still legally bound, Jesus could not have freed them by force. It doesn't break laws. Why he was able to free them? was that two things. Number one, they had gone for repentance. Their sins had been forgiven. It been lifted from their heads. And he, see all that healing, he was healing people free of charge. I hope you know he was the one paying. 
He had to carry all that forgiveness to the cross and fully pay on the cross. That's what I wrote in the book. We walk by faith. Those who listened to John were the ones that received the spirit of faith to believe Jesus Christ. Now, okay, let, okay Pastor Bank, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that you have believed in Jesus Christ, haven't you? Affliction has no right. It has no legal right. It has no legal right. I say it has no legal right in your body. It has no legal right in your body. You know, sin sets a lot of negative things in motion. Including old age becoming a disease. So we say, uh, beyond the particular age, your bone will get weak. Beyond the particular age, you will not see again. Once a particular age, your brain will not work again. Once a particular age, your heart will become weak. Now, everything I've said, now these are prophetic words. What did I say? Everything I've said, now they are what? They are sin-inspired, judgment-driven, unbelief-energized prophetic words. But again, life is a battle. We have the spirit of life. You know what he said in Romans chapter 8? He said, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in me, that same spirit that raised him from the dead, what will, I, what will he do? He will give life. He will give life. He will give life to your mortal body. What does it mean? He starts reversing the process of death. So old age stops being a disease. But you know what? You have to separate your light from darkness. How do you separate your light from darkness? Sometimes you just have to get up and talk. You will say, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. I hope you're getting my point. It is the woman that decided the day she will be free. Yeah, she was the one. Do you know if her faith was big enough, she could have stayed like this, that if he will pass in front of me, I will be free. I hope you know the same effects you have. We are so consumed by she had to touch. Yeah, it's good. That's what God demanded of her. But there were some people, they didn't touch anything. They only broke a roof. <laughs> it was a sign of their faith. There was one man, to get his deliverance, he dared to climb a tree. The woman had to struggle because God will give something that will be a sign of your faith. I hope you get my point. In the case of Zacchaeus, to get deliverance, God said, you will climb a tree. He put an obstruction around Jesus Christ deliberately. For the sake of Zacchaeus. Say, Zach. Say, yes, sir. You're not a tall man, but you must see Jesus. Say, how can I see Jesus? Say, go and determine how you will see Jesus. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Many of the things you say you can't do, you know, you don't want it yet. <laughs> Jesus said, you want deliverance for your household. And many other things are looking for. We're not told about that, about that. Say, you need to do what? See Jesus. Say, sir, everybody in Israel is taller than me. Holy Spirit says, see Jesus. So he went and waited, and when he saw the crowd, I said, there's no way. Then suddenly, something pointed his eye at a tree. The rich, look, big men don't climb trees. Maybe that's what you don't understand. If he was a secondary school boy, SS1, is on a tree, what's the big deal? They go there for mango. Okay. If you have never climbed a tree, okay, if you are more than 20 years old, you have never climbed a tree to pluck fruits in your life. And you're a man. I don't know about these women. They didn't use to climb trees. But we had a few tomboys in my neighborhood when we were young. But most of them didn't climb trees. If you've never climbed a tree to pluck fruit before, and you're more than 20 years old, and did not grow up in Lekki, put up your hand. 
Dominic, did that hand go up? <laughs> Maybe it's not up to 20 anyway. What am I going to say? When you need it, you will climb the tree. So it's not my young boys do it. We did it when we were young. What made his own striking? He was an old man. He was a successful man. People like him didn't climb trees. They hired men who climbed trees for them. And if they needed any fruit on the tree, they brought the tree to their level. But Jesus said, that the Lord told him, you have to see Jesus. And he realized the only way he would see Jesus is to climb the tree. Let me explain something to you. If Zacchaeus had the issue of blood, he would have been healed on that tree. Yes. See that power that flowed through the garment? He would have jumped across from Jesus to the top of the tree. That's why I keep on saying, I've been saying today, you will say, if I will do this, is somebody getting up and saying, it is time for my deliverance. He's saying, I will not accept bondage anymore. Different people will have different things they have to do. This woman, her own case was, touch his garment, and she will be healed. Healed. Each person has to deliberately separate his light from his darkness. How do we enforce our rights? It's called the washing of water. How? By the word. It's called what? The washing of water by the word. That is, yes, I have been set free, but why is this one still attached to me? So I'll go and take water and do what? And wash it off. How do I do that? I take the word of God and I speak that word deliberately for the purpose of getting well. No one thing I found out, persistence is a sign of faith. One of the things I found out recently is that we Christians, we make too many excuses for Satan just because we didn't get result overnight. You pray about something, after six months, it's not fully manifested. You now decide that it is because God does not want to do it. And it's a healing matter. Can I tell you something? God always wants to heal. 100% of the times. If it appears like he's not doing it, what we are supposed to do is find out why. But that why is never about willingness. Did you hear what I said? It is never about willingness. There's something one man of God I listened to some time ago said. Very powerful word. He said that one day he had to pray. Because why do I ask for something? It takes a long time for you to manifest. After praying, let's review something to him. That that process of time is being used to remove unbelief out of your life. That's why I preached a series that time. The cure for unbelief. That they know the fight against unbelief. That's what I called it. Please go and listen to it. You have to fight unbelief. Do you hear what I said? Yeah, it has to be fought. It's something that just creeps in. You may not know it is there. Sometimes unbelief is, is as simple as God, don't try for me, self. Let me manage this one. There's one prayer I pray to God. Papa God, please, I'm praying it in hearing of everybody so I can instruct them by it. I don't want to get to heaven and I will now see the one I did not collect. It's no good now. It's no good. It's not good. We have to get the fullness. Jesus paid for our complete health. We will live in perfect health in Jesus' name. We will not die prematurely in the name of Jesus. No, you will not die as a result of sickness in Jesus' name. Every pain, every affliction, Jesus has paid to remove it. So walk in freedom in Jesus' name. 
every pain, every affliction, every infirmity. I speak the word of the Lord. He himself took our infirmities and our diseases, and by his stress we have been healed. We refuse to settle for anything less than perfect health in Jesus' name. We refuse to settle for anything less than perfect health. We We just refuse. We just refuse. One man of God was ministering powerfully. Now, I'm talking about people settling for things. He said the anointing was very heavy. One woman, she could not walk properly. So she had this, she has serious hip problem, arthritis, serious in the hip. So she just managed to walk down, had this big um, walking stick. Jesus would say, what can I do for you? Remember that? So he asked, what do you want me to pray for? The woman said, I can't hear what you are saying. That she wasn't, she couldn't hear, that she has to sit near the speaker. And she, she has hearing aids. With the hearing aid and speaking near the speaker, she can only get half of what the preacher is saying. They need to hear everything. I need to hear the word. Ah. The faith was so strong. Ah. The two ministers said, oh, yeah, let us pray. They prayed for her. She removed the hearing aid and began to hear perfectly. The man said, do you know how we know? We dropped a pin. She t- t- told her, turn around. She turned. They dropped something, pin on the floor. She said, when you hear it, let us know. As soon as I hit the floor, she said, I heard it. That's how clear her hearing was. Instantly. And as she was going, they said, are you not forgetting something? Remember she came with what? A hip, serious hip problem. Walking with her stick. So the man of God said, are you not forgetting something? She said, like what? What about the walking stick? He said, I can manage that. Yeah. So I just needed to hear. That one is not a problem. You didn't hear that? You would have thought faith would have been provoked. The woman said, no, I just needed to hear. That one, I can manage it. The preacher wanted to faint. But there's nothing he could do. Everybody say after me, say in the name of Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. I don't want to settle for less than God's best. Say, God has heard you. Say, amen. Now you use your mouth to say, say in the name of Jesus. I will not settle. For less, for less than God's best. Than God's best. Say, it again, say it again, say in the name of Jesus. I will not settle for less than his best. I will not manage affliction. I will not manage it. Say, I reject it in Jesus' name. Say, Jesus paid for my freedom. There's no reason why I should be bound. I refuse excuses. Now listen to this. Say, even my sins are not excuses anymore. Because I have been forgiven. Say, my father has forgiven me. Because my Lord has paid. Say, the judge has forgiven me. My discharge has been signed. I am not in prison anymore. So I reject every shackle. I reject every handcuff. I reject every restriction. I am free. I am free. Even though they say it's a disease of old age. No matter how old I am. Age can only make me wise. Say in the name of Jesus. I speak to my eyes. Receive the vitality of youth. I speak to my bones. bones. Receive the vitality of youth. youth. 
I speak to my brain. Receive the vitality of youth. Say dementia. You are cursed in the name of Jesus. Because I have been set free. Because I have been set free. I speak to my body. From the top of my head. To the soles of my feet. Receive perfect health. Receive perfect function. Every part. Even the ones that were not there originally. Grow now in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, remember the power of Jesus gave the one that was born blind eyes. He said, let you know what he will do in your life. He said, let you know what he will do in your life. We refuse to give any, no, no, just say, okay, hold this one. No, we say no. We say no. We say no. No matter how small it is, even if it's small allergy, I say no. I say no. I say no. I say no. No, no. You can't have it. Jesus paid for everything. Jesus paid for everything. Ah, imagine that I tell you I bought you a, 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 a whole new car, brand new. I paid. You now go to the shop. You now say that, uh, can we hold this spare tire? Ah, you will look like, excuse me, for what now? Everything has been paid for now. He said, okay, I have a whole, the car is new. I know how much they paid. It's 35 million. No. All we're asking is spare tire. You know, you will call police. So you will stop that nonsense. So you want me to dash your money talk. But this is my tire. Put it back inside. As you are going away, you enter. You see, they remove the car stereo. Are you going to say that? After all, the car is 35 million. New car stereo. I can get a good one. For so- no. You say, where's my car stereo? Why do we not want to do it with our lives? You know what? Jesus paid for everything. I said Jesus paid for everything. So we are not leaving this showroom without everything. Close your eyes and say, this showroom I'm not leaving without everything. I say, this showroom I'm not leaving without everything. Everything must follow me. Every part of what Jesus paid for. Every part must follow me home. Every healing. I speak to glaucoma. Die in the name of Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. I command my lungs to be free. I command my lungs. Kidneys, you will walk. You will walk. Jesus paid. Jesus paid. I've been forgiven. Leave that thing. I've been forgiven. I don't care how, how they call it incurable. We speak life to it now in the name of Jesus. It's not by our own energy. It's not by our own strength. He said, you did not jog. I'm not jogging. Leave me. Your, both of your parents were hypertensive. Leave that thing. Jesus is not hypertensive. Abraham was not hypertensive. What is all of this? My true ancestry, I reject all these inherited diseases. If you have a child that has an inherited disease, put your hand on the child now and say, in the name of Jesus, I have been set free. You, my child, you have been set free. Say, you have been set free. The Spirit of God is saying, listen, make a demand on the power of God. My children have settled, settled for that which is not perfect for too long. Make a demand of the power of God. Unsettle yourself. Say, no, Lord. No, Lord. I will not settle for less than God's best. I will not settle for anything less than the best that God 
Faithful for me. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Remember, it's a washing of water by the word. It's a washing of water by the word. I was saying something earlier. You know this world there? This world, this science, everything. What they do is put so much information into us and generate unbelief. What God calls plague, they call it bacteria. So instead of us to fight a spiritual affliction, we are looking for antibiotics. Yeah, that's the truth. I used to wonder those days. I said, ah, wait, when all this information was in there, he had the people cope. <laughs> they didn't need it because they didn't have sin like this. Please, understand what I'm saying. Some people just want to reject medicine and they don't take the other medicine. I hope you're getting my point. So, you know, people, some people will follow me very uselessly and I don't like that. You hear half of what I say. Say, they'll not be causing me bad name in the society. Say, Pastor Bank, say, don't go to hospital. When did I ever say that? What did I say? Before you go, what do you do? And then the time you spend jogging, what do you use it to do? Read the Bible and confess the word of God. Then you can go and run later. You can't use the premium time of the day to go and jog. Meanwhile, you, one hour running up and down, you can't quote Psalm 23 without making mistakes. You don't exercise yourself in certain things. That's what I say. People just now they'll be quoting me upside down. I am not saying medical checkup is evil. I just used to ask a simple question: Who was checking Abraham? That's all. When I ask that question, they say, "You see, he was not eating what we are eating, and then stop eating it." He said that time he had a, he had an outdoor life. Listen, that's not the truth. The truth is that God blessed him. That's a summary. So you ask yourself, how do I tap into that blessing? That's what we are saying. Don't be against it. I'm not, look, if you want to jog, jog is your life. Is it my, are you using my feet? I used to jog too. Until the Spirit just said, stop this nonsense, banking. He didn't say stop jogging, just say stop wasting my time. So he said, leave my house at 5 a.m. to be running up and down. I said, if I can leave, let me go and confess the scriptures. This bro, this is it, Singapore. Uh, Joseph Prince, he said something one time. <laughs> Joseph Prince said he went and picked books, diet, exercise, all this, and so he sat down. Now, listen to what I want to say. He didn't say this, I'm the one saying it. He sat down and began to activate that principle in his life. He read the books. He said that, he said, look at me, you know, I, I wasn't fat before. Can you imagine Joseph Prince losing weight? They're not getting my point. You hear that Joseph Prince lost weight. You're like, like, okay, you know, <laughs> I was in Sokoto, I was in Meduguri about two weeks ago. So I now told somebody, please, whether they could take me to the barber. And all of them look at my head like, what? What did you say? <laughs> I said, I want to go to the barber. And he said, laughing. I said, what is funny? He didn't know people like me cut hair. I said, I do. The guy who now took me there, I said, don't worry. Yeah, that's his name. I said, when we come back, you will see how handsome I'll be looking. The guy couldn't believe that. You are going to cut which hair? I said, just carry him inside the moto. You understand? I've come with God. Then when they finish cutting my hair, honestly, I was looking so nice. <laughs> I was looking so nice. I had to snap myself and send to my wife, look at your husband. Look at what Meduguri has done in his life. Now, so in the same manner, when you hear that Joseph Prince lost weight, you are wondering which weight. Joseph Prince said he lost weight 
that she did, you know, that he, he made the form of himself. Oh. She said, running up and down, jogging up and down, watching his diet. He said that the little bum bum he had before <laughs> disappeared. So to sit down was not a problem. <laughs> I'm not the one that said it. You said, Prince. He said, he, like, he said, you know, I don't have anything. That the little vanished. But this is what he said. He said, I'd never fallen, that, fallen sick that number of times in my life. He said, after some weeks, he has this one. After some weeks, he has a fever. Ah! He said, what is it? So he threw away everything. I went back to the normal way and took the scripture and said, read it. So I confessed the word of God. And he went back to his normal healthy self. Now, you will say that, are you saying that the method he used, they were bad? Possibly, but that's not the issue. The issue was that he activated a different principle. He activated a principle. You know, in life, you decide the realm you want to walk in. What he did was that he activated a principle that requires weight loss, watching your food and all of that to remain healthy. So that placed him in a place where he now found that he had to struggle against things he had, against which he had no control. So sicknesses that God had kept away because before then he activated a different realm of life. They woke up and began to argue. You know, I keep on saying to Christians, when you want to go to the presence of God to go and ask for things, be careful the premise upon which you go. If you want to go on which, uh, on the premise of I have done this, I have done that, Satan will come and tell you what you have not done. But if you go and say, Lord, I am not worthy in myself. I have only come because of the grace and mercy which I have through Christ Jesus. Then Satan has nothing to say. It's called overcoming him by the blood of the Lamb. When it comes to health also, that's why you have to be careful. Like I said, if you want to run up and down, make sure you are not thinking it's a source of health. People say, go for a checkup. I'm looking at this. Say, wait, who checked Abraham? So I'm not saying don't do checkup. I hope I get my point. What I'm saying is that do the real, do the real one. Do you follow my point? Say, so what's the real one? Lie down and say, Lord, what am I worried about? Search me, Lord, and know my heart. What am I pursuing? Today I've woken up again. What is today for? One young man gave a testimony, powerful. He was a sinner. You know they call sinners. Some of you are not sinners. You just gave your life to Christ, but you're not really sinners. You get what I mean? Of course, we're all sinners, but you get my point. Some people, the, the only thing they know is that they took their mother's uh, mom said, go to the port, take one piece of meat. They took two and ate both, and they stitched the two together so they can eat it as one. That's it. This guy was a sinner. You know, all this waka up and down. He got infected with HIV. He didn't even know. And it was revealed to him. And the Lord just told him simply, you have a problem, I need to solve it. He didn't even know. Something made him go for testing and the son that he had the HIV. The Lord said, okay, now good, let's solve it. Go to this place, go and get baptized. He got there, they soaked him in water, he came out. Next time he went for a test, it was clean. True story. He narrated the story himself to somebody I know and I trust very well. There's only one person between him and, his, between him and me in that story. He didn't even know. God revealed it to him. And he was cured. I hope you're getting what I'm going to say. So I'm not saying don't go for a check but check the real up. Is that English good? Lie down and say, Lord, from the spirit, any, you know, any defilement of flesh and spirit that's in me, Lord, reveal, reveal it. Sometimes God will tell you things in a dream. God has corrected me in dreams before. 
There are times God will say, this is your mouth, self. You talk too much. These are, the things you should, these are the kind of things you should not be saying. And you, that's real checkup. Do you know, the Bible says that people don't do checkup. Now open quickly with me. Psalm. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. From verse 11, it said, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life? Did you notice that? And loves length of days that he may see good. What are the conditions? Number one. Read it loud. Number one, keep your tongue from speaking evil. Number two, and your lips from speaking deceit. Number three, depart from evil and do good. Number four, seek peace and pursue it. Let me just read 15 and 16. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Now, what does he say? You want long life? Why don't you lie down and check your tongue? What have you been saying? Some people, you know, in this country, let me just be honest with you, some people can never prosper. See, just leave Nigeria. If you can't travel to North America, go to Ghana. Okay, you can't reach Ghana, go to Togo. Go to Niger. Chad. Cameroon. Go to South Tome and Principe. Burundi. Rwanda. Kenya. But leave Nigeria. Do you know why? Your mouth has spoken so much evil. The country can never return good to you. Say, Pastor Banki Mogbe, uh, okay, you can go for repentance. You are, yes, you, you need to repent. You have to, oh God, I don't think your confession can be done in one day. There's some confession that needs a week. This is what you need to do penance. You know why you have to do penance? I'll tell you. Because when you start doing it, you are learning the truth. So you can't just say, I did not know. God said, you knew. So for every negative thing you said, I wanted to say two times as good. You spent one year speaking evil. You have two years of speaking good. Otherwise, no good will come to you in this land. These are the spiritual checks you need to do. You want to run up and down till you are healthy. What if you run up and down and trailer jam you? Have you ever seen exercise that builds muscle against trailer? No, serious. Have you seen it before? You built your muscle. Dangote truck jam you. The, the truck damaged. And you, you kept on running. Have you seen that one before? You fall from height. The concrete broke. Your leg is straight. Why? Because of this kind of exercise you were doing. Have you ever seen it before? You exercise so much, they shoot you. Your muscle bounce on the bullet. Even Chinese people, they know they dodge bullet. Now only matrix, they dodge bullet. That's what I'm... See, that's all I am saying. If you want to exercise, fine. But the Bible makes it clear. Physical exercise has only little profit. If you want to check yourself, look, the huge debate is there on whether it is beneficial. A lot of people say it's beneficial, but they don't tell you the harmful effect of not letting sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, serious. I don't want to get into that now. What is the point I'm making? All of us must do checkup. Let's do one minute checkup. Everybody, just shut your eyes. Let me read that scripture to you. I'm using it to check yourself. Who is a man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil. Check what have you what evil have you been speaking against yourself, against the body of Christ, against God, because when you grumble and against the nation God has placed you in, 
He says, speak your lips from speaking deceit. Organize why I buy them. At two five, they say, must you talk? He said, depart from evil and do good. These are the things you should be checking. Seek peace and pursue it. Notice those things from Psalm 34. From verse 13 and 14, I read there. Because I want to quickly read another one. Well, don't check up. Let me read to you verse, 130, uh, verse 23 of Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 3. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Be- begin to check, Lord, what are my anxious thoughts? And see if there, are any, there be any hurtful way in me. These are prayers you pray, Lord, what are the hurtful ways inside my heart? Point out anything in me that offends you. That's what New Living Translation says. Point out anything in me that offends you. That's the checkup we need. That's the checkup. That's the primary checkup. That is the primary checkup. Can we rest to our feet? I want to read a few scriptures and we're out of here. Remember, we are talking and releasing the power for divine health. You are healed totally in Jesus' name. Amen. Every affliction we speak against it by the word of the Lord. Say, so because we are free, it's called an oppression. Therefore, the oppressed must go free. Amen. Say it again. Say, I'm free. I'm, free. I'm, going, free. I'm going free. Say, I'm free. I'm, free. I'm walking away free. Walking away. Say, no more shackles. No more, no more bonds. No, more no handcuffs. No monitoring devices. Because I am free. I am not a slave of sin. Therefore, I cannot be a slave of sickness. I cannot be a slave of infirmity. Say in the name of Jesus, I take what is mine. I take what is mine. Say health is mine. Healing is mine. Now remember we said sin came and brought sickness, right? Righteousness came and brought healing. Say in the name of Jesus. I have been made righteous. Say by the blood of Jesus. I have been washed clean. Therefore healing has come. Say Christ is in me. Say Christ is in me. Therefore the same spirit that raised him from the dead. Is giving life to my mortal body. Is giving life to my mortal body. Say the body was subject to death because of sin. Now the spirit is giving it life because of righteousness. Say in me. Say it in me. Say it again in me. Divine life is working. In me. Healing power is working. Every damaged part of my body is being restored. Let me say something to you. One of the reasons, I've learned this many times, okay? One of the reasons why people get discouraged is that they don't realize that healing is a process. Miracles occur a lot, okay? But many times healing is what? A process. And in the life of every child of God, that process began the day you gave your life to Christ. But you will not allow for it to stop. You will not let it stop ever. Say in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Healing will not stop in me. me. It will not stop. 
it will not stop. Healing is working. Life is working. Life is working. Life is working. I need to say it again. Say, life is working in me. Every affliction is being washed away. Because sin has been washed away. That's what you open somewhere. Eh? Okay, quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want to read about um, four verses there from verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now, this one thing we do in my house. We read a particular portion of scripture. Okay, we do it here also. And I give you a minute. Then you talk to yourself with the scripture. I hope you're getting my point. So that's what we're going to do. You are going to personalize it. Remember, we are listening. We are, we are following the word. We are releasing the spirit of health. You know, it's by the Spirit. What did I say? It is by the Spirit. It's not by effort. It's not by our natural tendencies. It's not by our diet. It is how? By the Spirit. spirit. Remember I began by saying that, listen, Moses became healthy like that because of where he used to go. It's because of who used to talk to him. It's because of what he used to reflect upon. It's not because it was natural to him. That same life is what we are activating. The Lord is good. So let's read, read together. Deuteronomy chapter 7. We are going to read from verse 12 and read all the way to verse um, 15. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Are you there? Now, once let's go. Then it shall come about because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them. That the Lord your God will keep with you his covenant and his loving kindness which is what to your fathers. He will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock in the land which is what to your forefathers to give you. Verse 14. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There will be no male or female barren among you, or among your cattle. The Lord will remove from you all sickness, and he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but he will lay them on all who hate you. Now, you know what you are going to do? Now, romance these scriptures for the next one minute. Do you get my point? Interact with the verses. This is a promise of God concerning you. I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, that thus says the Lord concerning you. Because you have listened to the gospel of the Lord Jesus and you have committed yourself to the Son of God and you have decided to be his disciple and his follower and your main aim in life is to be made in the image of him. Therefore, I will keep my covenant with you and show you the loving kindness that I swore to the Lord Jesus Christ, to your forefathers. I will love you and bless you and multiply you. I will bless the fruit of your womb I will bless the fruit of your ground. I will bless your grain. I will bless your new wine. I will bless your oil. I will bless the increase of your herd, the increase of your business, the young of your flock. I will bless you in the land which I have kept you. You will be blessed above all peoples, especially those who do not believe. There will be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. I will remove sickness from you. Now, please, you need to romance with these words. Mix, mingle with these words. Mingle with this wisdom. Mingle with this prophecy. The Lord will remove from you all sickness. 
He will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of the world that came as a result of sin. Every sickness you have known, be it malaria or cancer, be it allergies or blindness or glaucoma, high blood pressure, it's not your portion in the name of Jesus. It is not your portion in the name of Jesus. It is only for those who hate the Lord. It is only for those who hate you. It is not your portion. Ah, declare, speak it to your body. Speak it. Remember, the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. We are washing away darkness because we have light. He said, arise, shine, because your light has come. He said, arise, shine, because your light has come. What you are doing is you are washing. You are, you are activating the light. Say, this light in me. The light of health, I speak to you, shine. The light of full restoration, I speak to you, shine. The light of full restoration, I speak to you, I say, shine. The light of full restoration, I speak to you, I say, shine. The Lord said, I will restore health unto you. I will heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds. Let's take another scripture so we can romance with it. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. One we know very well. Psalm 103. Remember, we are talking ourselves into the blessing of God. And we are saying, Satan, bye-bye. Are you there? Now, we are reading those five famous verses. One, two, let's go. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Did you notice that he heals what? All your diseases. What does he do? He has pardoned what? What did he pardon? All my iniquities. As a result, what did he do? He healed all my... Now meditate on that word for a minute. Use that word to speak to yourself. Say, the Lord has healed all my diseases. I will not settle. Say, that healing process has begun. I will see a miracle. I will not, I will not settle for less than the best of God. I will not manage it. Just a small pain in the left foot. I won't manage it. Oh. Now, so nonsense it takes that. You give Satan an inch, he will take a yard. I'm fighting for everything that is mine. How's my fight? Is with my tongue. How's my fight? Is with the word of God. How's the fight? Is with persistence of faith. Just speaking what he has said. He said, they overcame him by the blood of the land and the word of their testimony. That's it. So what are we using this evening? What are we using this evening? The word of our testimony. We are testifying concerning the goodness of God. What he has done for my soul. My soul, notice he has done so many things for you. He forgave all your iniquities. He healed all your diseases. Soul. He satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed. He satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed. 
He satisfies my mouth. He satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed. I will never settle for less. I will never settle for less. I want us to just read a few verses. Quickly open to Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 91. Verses 9, 10. Well, all the way to 13, quickly. Psalm 91. If I will read it to verse um, 16. 91. From verse... Uh, what did I say just now? 9. Alright, we are reading all the way to verse 16. And we are going to take a minute. To meditate on everything there. Everybody say after me. Say, I've made the Lord my refuge. The most high is my hiding place. No evil will befall me. No plague will come near my home. No disease will settle in my household. Say, we give his angels charge concerning me. They will guard me in all my ways. Against traffic accidents. Against injuries, against all kinds of accidents, they will bear me up in their hands, so I will not be injured. I will trample down the lion and the serpent, but I will not be injured. Say, I have loved the Lord. He said he will deliver me. Therefore, I am delivered. He will set me securely on high, because I know his name. And because I call upon his name. When I call, he will answer. He is with me in the time of trouble. He rescues me and he honors me. He puts an ointment upon my life. He surrounds me with favor as with a shield. Say with long life, he will satisfy me. I will see his deliverance. I will experience his salvation. Say his healing power is working in my life. Now romance with these words for the next one minute. Say his healing power is working in my life. His healing power is working in my life. His healing power is working in my life. Thus says the Lord, I will restore health unto you. And I will heal all your wounds. Thus says the Lord, I will restore health unto you. And I will heal all your wounds. Thus says the Lord. I will restore health unto you. And I will heal all your wounds. Let's read this last scripture. As we close for this evening. I'm reading from verse 9 of the book of Romans um, chapter 8. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, and of course he is, though the body is subject to death because of sin, yet the spirit will give it life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In the name of Jesus. You receive life in your mortal body. Amen. See, this body will not live forever. We know. One day it's going to be changed if Jesus comes back. 
One day we are going to lay it aside when our work here is done. But until that time, it will function properly. Amen. Until that time, it must function properly. Amen. See, at the age of 60, you will run with your grandchildren. Amen. At the age of 80, you will run with your grandchildren. Amen. Moses was 120 years old. That is your testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says his strength did not abate. His eyes did not grow dim. People, old age is not a disease. Oh. In your case, it can only make you wise. Amen. It will make you have stories to tell of the goodness of God. Amen. But infirmity will not follow it with you. Amen. The blessing of God makes rich. And does not add sorrows. Give the Lord thanks if you believe these words. Give him thanks. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I've drunk of the spirit of health, the spirit of freedom. I've drunk of the spirit of health and the spirit of freedom.